0: All right, everyone, I want to thank our sponsor today, Organifi. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing and the healing journey. Well, an integral part of that are the foods and the drinks that we consume. I know you know this. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. Organifies superfood blends make it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders that you can add to water or milk, stir and drink. It literally takes 30 seconds. It is that simple. A couple weeks ago, I was right about to start uh, a green juice fast, a kind of a short mini fast and I kid you not the day the night before, Organifi reached out to me about sponsoring this podcast. And I will tell you that I was thrilled because this is aligned with what I'm doing. I'm familiar with Organifi. I've used them in the past before. I want to be able to bring to you um, quality products and things that are going to promote a healthy lifestyle. Organifi Green Juice is the one I use. It's the one I use every morning so that I know right away I'm starting the day on a healthy note. It's loaded with vitamins, loaded with minerals, and essential antioxidants. As a listener of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, you can get 21% off any item by going to organifi.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Once again, to get 21% off any item, Go to Organifi. That's O R G A N I F I dot com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. All right, everyone, I want to thank our sponsor today, Organifi. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing and the healing journey. Well, an integral part of that are the foods and the drinks that we consume. I know you know this. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. Organifies superfood blends make it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders that you can add to water or milk, stir and drink. It literally takes 30 seconds. It is that simple. A couple weeks ago, I was right about to start uh, a green juice fast, a kind of a short mini fast. And I kid you not, the day, the night before, Organifi reached out to me about sponsoring this podcast, and I will tell you that I was thrilled because this is aligned with what I'm doing. I'm familiar with Organifi; I've used them in the past before. I want to bring, be able to bring to you um, quality products and things that are going to promote a healthy lifestyle. Organifi Green Juice is the one. I use. It's the one I use every morning so that I know right away I'm starting the day on a healthy note. It's loaded with vitamins, loaded with minerals, and essential antioxidants. As a listener of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, you can get 21% off any item by going to Organifi.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Once again, to get 21% off any item, Go to Organifi. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Trauma Therapist Podcast, episode 408. Welcome to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise awareness of trauma and to help support and inspire new trauma workers through this podcast and my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0. Thanks so much for joining me today, and here we go. All right, guys, I just want to say that I am thrilled to have this podcast sponsored by CPTSDfoundation.org. A little while ago. I actually got to meet the founder, uh, Athena Moberg, of CPTSD Foundation. We met here in San Francisco, sat down, uh, had breakfast, and it was amazing. You know, I got to feel and see her passion, the passion that she has for this work, and not just for therapists and clinicians, but survivors as well. CPTSD Foundation provides peer-led support and adjunctive care in between therapy sessions for survivors of complex trauma. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, survivors can come together to give and receive support and validation and feel equipped with the knowledge and skills they can use every day. You can check it out at CPST. Foundation.org. Their website is ma- amazing. They have daily recovery support. They have free support groups. They have a healing book club and trauma therapist podcast listeners can get 50% off the first month when they join the daily recovery support calls. You can check that out by going to cptsdfoundation.org forward slash trauma therapist podcast. Once again, that's cptsdfoundation.org slash trauma therapist podcast. Just head on over to the website at Trauma Podcast.com com and click on the link there and you'll be in business trauma may be a fact of life but it doesn't have to be a life sentence somatic experiencing is a psychobiological method of addressing clients physical and emotional trauma conditions and helps to give voice to their experiences without a need for them to retell their story SE is a complementary modality that focuses on regulation of the nervous system and offers the opportunity to engage, complete, and resolve the body's instinctual responses to traumatic experiences. For more information regarding somatic experiencing and the SE professional training program, please visit www.traumahealing.org. That's www.traumahealing.org. all right guys welcome back to the trauma therapist podcast i am very excited and honored to have back mara tesler stein mara welcome back
1: it's a really a pleasure to be here guy
0: all right. So Mara is a clinical psychologist in private practice specializing in the emotional aspects of coping with crisis around pregnancy and parenting and relationship-based and developmentally supportive care to babies and their families. Mara offers training in EMDR for perinatal mental health specialists, as well as advanced practice workshops in EMDR for perinatal mental health specialists. Dr. Tusto Stein is a co-author of the the book, Parenting Your Premature Baby and Child, The Emotional Journey, as well as Intensive Parenting, Surviving the Journey Through the NICU. You know, Mara, I wanted you back here because when when I had you back uh, and when we were talking um, on the previous episode, which was uh, number 389, you just... I mean, you're one of those people who, when I'm talking to them' I'm like this is why I'm doing this podcast. I mean, your passion, your knowledge comes forth and and you know, as we both acknowledged on that on that interview, there were so many different ways we could have gone, and I was like, I have to have you back, and anyway, that's my preamble able to just say, you. I'm so psyched you're That's here. Great. So welcome back.
1: I'm Please. so glad to be back. Thank you. Yeah, I felt like the the time together went so quickly, and that you know the kinds of things that you were interested in talking about make me so excited because they're you know really honing in on what's important um, and why I do this work. So um, I'm really happy to be back here to continue okay. to continue this conversation
0: so let's um, where would you like to start well let 's continue. I mean you know we were talking about uh, uh, getting more specific about how EMDR kind of weaves mm-hmm. in for what yeah, happening yeah. what happens to families and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that sound
1: that sounds that sounds great I mean okay. a lot of what where my work has been going lately has been really giving a lot of thought to um, How um, our understanding from that um, EMDR lens, that adaptive information processing lens, really does inform what so many people already doing this work are doing without realizing that that's what they're doing from a a conceptual perspective and then in a more uh, direct trauma treatment perspective, how the EMDR model is so powerful. Um, across the board with trauma and the ways in which it's powerful in the perinatal mental health population, I think is, um, I think that it's, it's really, we need to think flexibly about what it is that we're doing when we're treating trauma in this population. And because the AIP model is so adaptable um, it really can help us understand why we do what we do and what it is that families need. So I tend to think about this, I tend to zoom out um, and think about conceptually, what is it that we're doing here? Where Where is the rupture? Um, where are we kind of coming in clinically uh, to help reweave and repair um, the ruptures?
0: Okay. So, Ruptures about, or ruptures with whom?
1: So, so, so here's, here's how I think about this. You know, when, when we think about family building, you know, the dream and the myth that we're, we're given very often in, in our culture, certainly, is if you do all the right things, good things will happen. And if you do all the things that, that you're supposed to do, um, everything will go smoothly. Um, And that is a promise that very often over the course of a lifetime, people come to realize is Mm. make-believe, that you can do all the right things and not get pregnant. You can do all the right things and have a a high-risk, complicated, difficult pregnancy. You can do all the right things and, and, and have a baby very early or have a baby die or have a mother die. And so it's shattering to one's belief in um, sort of the intactness of the universe, you know, is this, wait a minute, this is not what was promised. This is not what I expected. What does this mean about me? What does this mean about my family? Um, And and that doesn't even get into, and what are the implications? Mm -hmm. So the ruptures can start anywhere from, wait, why is this so hard? And what does that mean about me? to this situation is painful, frightening, overwhelming, unexpected, um, dis, uh, dislocating, disorienting, um, creates fractures in the ways that I'm used to being able to talk to my partner, my doctor, my family members, my friends, um, to I am now in a whole new world. For example, the world of newborn intensive care, where when you walk through those doors, you really have to let go of everything that you thought you knew about what it. What does it mean to be a parent? What does it feel like to be attached? Uh, wh- wh- it, to what does it mean to see a baby on a ventilator? What it means when you walk into an adult ICU and see mm-hmm. somebody on a ventilator generally means something very different than what it means when you walk into a NICU. Um, so so all of those points of reference that we normally naturally have that are expectable um, get dislocated. And so I think of those as as ruptures, as fractures um, in the in the foundation and in the road that we've embarked on um, towards family building. So sometimes the the rupture is marked very clearly by a giant piece of shrapnel Mm -hmm, that has has torn apart the the street. And, you know, there's fissures everywhere. And you say, oh, yeah, right there. There's Mm -hmm. the trauma. Um, And that's true. And in addition to that, the ripple effects of that sort of rupture, and smaller ones as well, can interfere with what I like to think of as uh, the development or the building of connective tissue in family building. So it isn't just that traumatizing events um, break something that needs to be, have an opportunity to be put back together and repaired. It's that it interrupts what would be um, typical, expectable development. Um, and can leave people in this nowhere land feeling like they don't know anymore um, how to be, how to feel. And I'll tell you that, that, that I think sometimes therapists find themselves also in a situation where not knowing what to expect, um, seeing somebody who has a baby who was born 15 or 16 weeks early, let's say, or with very complicated medical problems, or parents of the baby who's died. Like, what, when, when do you start to say, oh, that's like, that's um, clinical, a clinical problem Mm -hmm. that we diagnose, Um, and what does it mean to diagnose it, Um, and when do we say, well, this thing that Maybe clinically we were taught, well, well, that's a problem in attachment, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, maybe we need to rethink that sometimes because, again, those normative, typical landmarks don't apply in the same way with parents in a NICU, for example.
0: Okay. So (laughs) this is, (laughs) I'm getting that feeling again where it's like, it's so intense, I mean, this kind of work, why is, let's dial in a little more with EMDR. How, why does this work so well and how is it working in, in in this context?
1: So what's beautiful to me about EMDR, and I got trained in EMDR 17 years ago because I was working with this population. And so what I was finding was people were getting better. Um, and then they'd get stuck and they'd, uh, the image that came to mind for me was they were like circling a cul-de-sac and they would just keep going round and round and I couldn't figure out how to get out of the cul-de-sac. So um, for those who, who don't know, the, the foundational model for EMDR is the adaptive information model. And in short, what, the way we understand it is that when, when we go through a traumatic event, what can happen is that the experience of that event, the way that we, we we organize and store that information neurobiologically, can be stored adaptively or maladaptively. All experiences get stored one way or another um, in the nervous system. Um and, and that's just how, how we come to know ourselves, how we come to know the world. When when we see trauma, when we see the the, the impact of trauma in a maladaptive way. What has happened is some part of those experiences, and usually along all the channels of experience, so not just cognitive, cognitive, somatic, sensory, interpersonal, all of those levels get stuck, they get locked down in a maladaptive memory network, a neural network. Now we are, we come into this this experience, having already lived a great deal of years, great number of years. And so people have lots of memory networks, lots of interconnected memory networks, many of which are adaptive. So for example, if you've ever sat with a client who's, who, who will say to you in response to something that you've said, maybe a reframe or a way of thinking about things, and they'll say, well, I know that. I can think, I, I believe that when it comes to other people, but I can't really believe that about myself right we hear that all the time right well from from our AIP perspective what's happening there is that that adaptive information is there but it's not connecting to the maladaptive memory network so when that adaptive information tries to 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 kind of come in there and untangle that what's maladaptively stored it bounces off it doesn't have access and so you've got this like I think of it like a tangle, like a snarl mm-hmm. in a, in a tapestry, in a weaving. And, 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 you know, if you've ever tried to untangle a bunch of necklaces that are all tangled together, you right. know, it's like, it's really complicated. It's not so easy to get in there. So when we're, when we're doing EMDR therapy, we're doing a couple of things. First of all, we're assessing the nature of the adaptive information. So what, how, what were the beliefs that this person had, these experiences of self, the somatic experiences, the emotional landscape that they, they carried with them before having this experience? Um, and then we're looking at trauma nodules, trauma points, hotspots, where we have stuck information. So we have, that's where you see like triggers. Where you mm-hmm. see, oh, that smell brought me back, that sound brought me back. Um, the baby, looking at the baby, brings up all of this, all of these thoughts, feelings, beliefs, responses um, that feel really like they're in their own loop and not moving. And in fact, that's really what's happening. What's happening with maladaptively stored information is it hasn't really um, transformed into memory, into real memory. Mm-hmm. Because real memory allows us some distance and allows us some perspective. But if something is really stuck in a re-experiencing loop, we don't have any distance. We're either avoiding that loop because it's overwhelming or we've fallen down the rabbit hole and we're in the right. re-experiencing. Mm-hmm. So with EMDR, what we're doing is we're, there's a neurobiological process by which we can connect the adaptive information that maladaptive information and that process allows that that undigested material to digest and become actual memory. So, so that's what EMDR is doing with those giant pieces of shrapnel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, and in com- addition, in addition to that, because we're talking about parenting and family building. We may have lots of situations where even under the best of circumstances there is adaptive information that still has yet to grow. Right? We all enter parenthood. I mean, sometimes we enter it thinking, "Oh, I know exactly how to do this." And I always say, "I did my best parenting before I had kids, too." <laughs> but the reality is, you know, once you've had kids, you realize, "Whoa, there's a lot to learn here. A lot of things that I thought that are not so." that can really, not, nothing like having kids to shake up your sense of self right? and your relationships, right? So, so even under ideal circumstances, there's a lot of connective tissue to build, a lot of nurturing and support that's necessary to really help in the transition to parenthood for each individual parent, for them as a couple, for them as a family, adding any, each additional child to the family system. It's, it's always a transition because each child is a new person, mm-hmm. changes the dynamic in the family, all normal things, but right. significant things. When there's a crisis in the process of family building, the, that process of coming to understand yourself as a parent is disrupted, so there's a rupture. And when you have a crisis in, in becoming a parent and being a parent, you've, you lose the, the innocence and the optimism that you may have, may have started with mm-hmm. about how this, how this is going to be okay, um, if, if in fact that's your, that's your perspective on the world, but you've also immediately lost your peer group because one mm-hmm. of the time-honored traditions uh, um, is the village of parents. Mm. And if I don't know how to do something, I may say, you know, you, maybe it's my mother, or my mother in law, my sister or sister in law, say, butt out, don't tell me what to do. But mm. I know that I can ask. I know that I have friends. I have, I even I, I could go to, to, to family members if I wanted to and say, I don't know how to do this. Uh, but when you've had a preemie, when you have a very sick baby, when your baby dies, when you're struggling with infertility, much harder to figure out who he's supposed to talk to
0: this whole topic just seems fraught with potential Uh like landmines every everywhere everywhere you go each little each little uh, kind of topic you're talking about is just a potential for trauma it's
1: crazy yeah it's because it's so important because it's so central to our sense of self and to to family structure, it's so nuanced and it's so complicated. Um, And so for every node, for every turn on the pathway where there's a risk for trauma, I would say there's also unbelievable opportunity Mm. to support and to provide language and framework and scaffolding for people. Um, to help expand the adaptive information networks and to kind of come in and connect that adaptive information with the maladaptive to allow it to digest so then to to mobilize development. Because that's essentially what we're doing in this work is we're mobilizing and supporting development. And so that's what it means to talk about developmentally supportive care and relationship-based care as an overarching framework, which is how I think about what I do. Um, and so EMDR for me fit so naturally with the way that I was actually already viewing mm-hmm. the work that I did. What it gave me was a neurobiological way of understanding it and, and a, an amazing, powerful model to help with the kinds of pieces of this struggle that I had not found anything else um, with this sort of power. To, to untangle and unfreeze and, and to help with, with that process of development. Because, you see, the top-down methods can only get us so far when mm-hmm. you've got a neurological, neurobiological lockdown happening. Um, and so we need that bottom-up kind of processing. Um, but within the context of understanding what it is we're doing.
0: Right, right.
1: So can you um,
0: give us an idea of what it looks like when you're working with parents? They they walk in to mm-hmm. your office. So w- w- how do you approach this? What do you do?
1: So I always, always start off um, by asking to hear the story, the story of the pregnancy, the story of the birth, the story of, of the NICU or the death and the aftermath um, really just listening very, very closely to understand the the experience of both parents. Um, and and ho- always hope to have both parents in the room individually and together at different times um, to really give everybody an opportunity to talk about the hardest parts. I'm um, watching to see can they talk about or really how they talk about um, the experience. Um, we're always really careful in this trauma work to not reactivate people um, and to leave them you know, uh, more cracked open than they were when they walked in. Um, so I want to see, can they talk about what has happened? Um, do they have any distance on it? Do they have too much distance? You know, they seem numb mm-hmm. or shut down. Um, do, they, do they kind of fall down the rabbit hole right away of re-experiencing? And that lets me know um, pretty quickly where I want to start, what I need to do, um, how, it, how acutely um, activated, they may be. Um, are they walking around like this all the time? Mm-hmm. And of course, some of this is is dependent a bit on how long has it been. You know, I've had people come to my office straight from the hospital, wow. um, and I've had people come in months and years later, um, and and you know, it, it all becomes part of the picture that we paint clinically um, doing an assessment. The way that I think about it, though, is I'm looking for again both adaptive information. I'm looking for What's your What's your perspective about yourself as a parent? Um, how do you talk about yourself? Um, how do you talk about your partner? How do you talk about the baby in your relationship with the baby? How do you see yourself in relation to the baby and the medical mm-hmm. team and so forth? And I'm also looking for those spots where I see um, that it's 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 so so raw that either um, I can't even think about it, but then it you know. That tends to ambush you then, you know, nightmares, flashbacks, um, you know, getting hit with it from behind almost. Um, or the the other way that that can look is, uh, as soon as I start talking about this aspect, there can be you know lots of flooding. Mm-hmm. so i may I may do some things right away to try to um, reduce intensity as which is part of our overall preparation anyway. For EMDR memory processing Um, and then uh, of course I'm also just looking for opportunities to provide language um, and a frame um, a reflection of what I see and what I hear um, right away so an example of that a pretty common example has to do with things like attachment so attachment and anxiety, vigilance—these concepts can get pretty muddy and tangled up when we talk about a crisis in pregnancy and birthing in the neonatal period. Parents often are told by their healthcare providers, the nurses, there, there will be um, sometimes, sometimes by therapists who all you know kind of know what they know and maybe haven't had the experience of, of what is it like to have a baby in the mm-hmm. NICU, for example, um, that they're overly anxious or hypervigilant. And, the, and, you know, what they really need is time away from the NICU or time away from the baby uh, to relax, to sleep, to be calm and so forth. But see, the job of a parent is to watch over and take care of the baby. And so, especially in a, in a medical crisis, the job of the parent actually is to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in newborn intensive care, the usual tasks of parenting are very often unavailable. We don't get to feed, especially early on. If you have a micropremy, you're not picking up that baby. You're not nursing. That baby's very often not getting, getting um, any food in the stomach right away. They may be um, getting fed by TPN, which is, you know, IV. Um, and if they are getting fed, they're not getting fed by mouth because they can't yet coordinate suck, swallow, and breathe, breathing without potentially um, aspirating milk. So feeding, which is one of the fundamental things that we do as parents, mm-hmm. is generally not available right away in the NICU. Um, and even holding. If you're holding a, a, a very premature, very sick baby, the nerve, Their nervous systems are very raw. So the kinds of things that we would do, that we've seen friends, family do, that we've done maybe even taking care of other people's kids, can't do. So singing and stroking or rocking at the same time, for example will send a preemie into meltdown, basically. Wow. Um, they, it can trigger apneas, bradycardias, because the nervous system goes, wow, ah, it's too much stimulus, I don't know what to do. Um, so there's there, it's just a whole different way. You need to learn how to touch. You need to learn how to engage differently. So these things that would otherwise come naturally, like, whoa, I don't want, I don't want to cause harm. Right. You know, and moms in particular very often will tell me and tell their therapists, I haven't done so well so far. I mean, this baby came early, this baby, you know, my, my baby is sick. Um, I don't want, I don't want to get too close. Better let the people who know how to take care of the baby take mm. care of the baby. So right away, when I hear anything like this, I'm coming in talking about does it, what are signs of attachment? in a perinatal crisis, and they may look different. So not wanting to leave the bedside or thinking about the baby a lot when you go home, waking up in the middle of the night and calling the NICU, this is normal stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because who, who else has to be apart from their baby? Right, right. Right? Normally, you get to go peek over at the bassinet and go, okay, and go back to sleep. But if your baby's across town, and you haven't seen that baby in in a bunch of hours, um, wanting, needing, wanting that connection is perfectly normal. So, you know, very often um, parents are told, "Oh, go home and sleep. And, you know, parents are compliant very often, and they go, oh, sure. And, you know, inside, they don't tell each other, right, right, I'm going to sleep.
0: So, just just aware of our time again. You this this to me, Mara, is just such a fascinating uh, topic again because there just seems to be so much. I mean, when you were talking about people coming into your office and these varying scenarios, whether it's uh, you know a, a child in the NICU or one who's died. My God, I mean, there's so many things here. So many possibilities and ways to uh, work with these particular clients in such a delicate and, as you said, nuanced setting in a sense. Yeah. This is what you do. You yes. offer, what, programs, courses for to help mental health mm-hmm. specialists deal with this? Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that and how Yay. people can access yeah. those.
1: Sure. So... Um, I've done um, training and consulting and workshops um, and conferences for years and years. What I'm doing right now is um, I am offering EMDR therapy training, which is our foundational training in e- the EMDR model. And I'm, I'm in- basically inviting perinatal mental health specialists who want to be trained in EMDR, but who've, who have held back because they really wanted to train with their Fellow perinatal specialists, mm-hmm. an opportunity to do their EMDR training with their people, um, so and, and from their people. So, so being the trainer and then having a cohort of people who speak this language, um, and it's it's amazing to do that. To have um, a group of perinatal mental health specialists who are working in various areas of the field who want to mm-hmm. really understand what they're looking at through this trauma lens and this developmental lens. And then for those who have already done their EMDR training, um, I'm doing more advanced workshops on this this overlap, this integration um, of our the EMDR therapy model within the perinatal mental health community. So it's like I want to take, I want to teach the perinatal mental health community about trauma treatment, EMDR in particular, um, and I wanted to teach the EMDR community about perinatal mental health, and h- really how how really it's everywhere, mm. and that understanding through this lens, adding these two, putting these two lenses together, is going to raise the level of care that all of us provide for all of, all of the people who are walking this road, um, and 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 it is it's a tremendous number of people. Because mm-hmm. the, the range of what can happen can, can, can go, as you can imagine, right. um, from, the, the again, the obvious piece of shrapnel that has, that has struck your front lawn to more subtle but very pronounced kinds of impacts. Um, and then you know, people who come into this with prior trauma, with, mm-hmm. with prior ruptures, um, and people who don't, I mean, there's, there's like with all trauma. You know, there are, there are those layers there too. So my passion really is to, to be teaching this, to be um, offering whatever support I can to therapists who are offering support to families um, who can then support one another and their babies.
0: Right, right. So, um, again, I'm speaking with Mara Tesler-Stein. Her website is docmara.com. That's dot com. And I'll have um, these linked up at the show notes page at the com. Now, Mara, are these uh, workshops, are they live or are they online or both?
1: So the EMDR... Um, therapy training is only in person and that's because we do so much practice as we're learning the model. Um, right now, the advanced practice workshop is also only in person. I, if I can figure out how to do it, it will eventually be, there will be a version, I hope one day online, available on demand. Um, that's something that I would very much like to develop. Okay. So that's, that's where it's at right now.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And the consultation
1: uh, groups are uh, online. They're Zoom consultation.
0: Okay, okay. And are, are there, are there any ones coming up that we need to know about or should know about?
1: Sure. There is a um, – EM, the MDR training, the, that foundational therapy training, is, is in two parts. And a part one training is coming up in Hartford, Connecticut at the end of November. It's a three-day block. and then the part two for that training is at at the end of february uh, middle to end of february Um, and there is consultation that gets interspersed between those two parts and then a a little bit more after and then i have another round that's happening in dallas in january and the very end of february part one in january part two the end of february and then the advanced trainings um, will happen after each part two so i have part two coming up in hartford in february so there will be a a two-day advanced practice for those Mm -hmm. already trained in emdr and then there will be i actually expanded it to a three-day starting with the dallas training and that's going to be the very beginning of march and i'm talking to people in north carolina and in denver and i'll schedule another one in chicago and um lots of lots of cool stuff happening um with collaborations um also internationally, and just really wanting to, to help create connective tissue for us as well, the yeah. connections and, and supporting each other's work.
0: Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I knew like next to nothing about this topic until I spoke with you, and uh, ever since I spoke with you, I mean... The, there's something about this topic and your passion for it, your knowledge about it. That is so inspiring. I mean, it's amazing that you are out there doing this work. Really it is. And again, I'm so thankful thank that uh, you're, you're back on this podcast. I just want to thank you so much, Marla. Thank you so much. All right.
1: Thank take you. care. It's a
0: pleasure. All right. Take care. The Foundation for Human Enrichment, DBA, Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute, is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to resolving trauma worldwide by providing professional training and education in somatic experiencing. It was founded by Dr. Peter Levine, author of Waking the Tiger, who developed somatic experiencing based on explorations of how animals deal with threat and traumatic experiences on a daily basis. Learn more about somatic experiencing and the SE professional training at w www.traumahealing.org. That's www.traumahealing.org. All right, guys, uh, I just want to say that I am thrilled to have this podcast sponsored by CPTSDFoundation.org. You know, a little while ago, I actually got to meet the founder, uh, Athena Moberg, of CPTSD Foundation. We met here in San Francisco, sat down, uh, had breakfast, and it was amazing. You know, I got to feel and see her. Passion, the passion that she has for this work, and not just for therapists and clinicians, but survivors as well. CPTSD Foundation provides peer-led support and adjunctive care in between therapy sessions for survivors of complex trauma. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, survivors can come together to give and receive support and validation and feel equipped with the knowledge and skills they can use every day. You can check it out at cpsd.com. Foundation.org. Their website is ma- amazing. They have daily recovery support. They have free support groups. They have a healing book club. And trauma therapist podcast listeners can get 50% off the first month when they join the daily recovery support calls. You can check that out by going to CPTSD foundation.org forward slash trauma therapist podcast. Once again, that's CPTSD foundation.org slash trauma therapist podcast. Or just head on over to the website at Trauma Therapist Podcast.com. And click on the link there and you'll be in business.